All right, we're going to read from Psalm 147. Psalm 147, and the words will be up on the screen. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For the strengths of the, the bars of your gates, he blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends his command to the earth. His words run swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbles. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes the, his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. We're going to sing some uh, songs of praise and worship, but, but before we do, let's recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's praise the Lord.
was at the last supper the scripture says while they were eating jesus took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body then he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this day and for the promise you made to us through this covenant, which we remember always. Amen.
Good morning. Now is the time in the service for announcements. If you have um, prescription or over-the-counter empty pill bottles that you'd like to throw away, bring them in. We'll take them. We'll take them over the Matthew 25 uh, ministries, and they use them um, for lots of different things. So don't throw them away. Bring them in. Um, ink cartridges as well. If you're just going to throw them away, bring them in. We use them to um, reduce the cost of office supplies here at the church. In the foyer, they have, there are a couple bins that you can put those two items in. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. If you haven't been up here on a Thursday or driven by, the parking lot is full. There's lots of stuff going on. There's people coming up for the garden. There's people coming up for the pantry, people coming up for clothes, people coming up to drop stuff off, people coming up to look at the bus. Um, just come up and stop up and see what we do. If you want to come and serve, we'd love to have you. Um, also Thursday, refit free dance fitness class is Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 6.30 to 7.30 here at the church. Breakfast fellowship first Sunday of the month, 9.30 a.m. If you weren't here this morning, you missed it. Um, so we ate this morning. It's always a good time to get to know each other um, before church and uh, get to know what's going on with each other, meet new people, eat, of course, and see what's going on in each other's lives and pray with people. Weekly budgets listed here, ministries that you support through the giving um, at Heartland. Ways to give in person, there's an offering box in the back of the church and online. The Chosen, The Chosen. Um, season one, free community events every Sunday, uh, 6.30, 7.45, so that is tonight. Free popcorn and drinks provided. So we have two weeks left, tonight and next Sunday. So hopefully we'll see you all tonight. HCC Summer Community Cookout, we have next Saturday, July 8th, from 12 to 2. If you're interested in coming to help out, um, we serve our um, neighbors hamburgers and hot dogs, chips. Next Saturday, we're going to be doing snow cones, so come and at least get a snow cone. Um, <laughs> there's a sign-up on the welcome table if you want to join us. Um, we'll be loading up here, but if you want to just come at noon and help serve, that's great, too. We'd love to have you help. Mellon Ridge Ministry is every other month, so six times a year. So it's July 23rd at 2, um, bringing worship to the residents of Mellon Ridge facility here in Goshen. Lunch is provided, so since it's on Sunday, we have service, we have lunch together, and then we go over at 2. Usually lasts about 45 minutes to an hour, um, and we usually just have a little lesson for them, have fun with them, um, and have communion and music. So it's a small service for them. Youth event, um, we are going to the Ark Encounter Saturday, July 29th. So a lot going on this, uh, this month. It's um, 9 a.m. We're going to meet here at the church and head down. It's about an hour away. Um, so we do need to know how many youth are interested in going so we can set up transportation. Youth meaning 12 and up, I think, is what I wrote on the sign-up. So if you're interested or know someone that would like to go, it is free to go. The church is paying for them to go. So we need to make sure we have um, transportation and tickets purchased. So please sign up for that. You're not a youth. But you're welcome to go with us. <laughs> I have never been, so I'm super excited. Um, Goshen Ready Fest. This is our eighth year doing this. If you have not been, it is so awesome. Um, Heartland donations are zippered pencil pouches. No boxes, please. We do the zippered pencil pouches and colored pencils. It is August 6th. It is a Sunday from 2 to 4. 
<clears throat> excuse me, we partner with, um, I don't know, eight to 10 other churches. There's other Christian organizations um, that partner with us and we meet at the middle school. It is jam-packed with people. We do free haircuts. We do, um, we give kids all the backpacks, supplies that they need. We give them lunch. It is just a really good time and we give all the glory to Jesus. And to be able to do that in the school is just amazing. Everything is free for the kids. We have them sign up um, through a registration process. Sometimes the teachers are there. We have the police. We have the fire department. It's just really a good time to have the community coming together. Um, so if you haven't been, you have questions, let me know. We'll have a bin outside starting next week um, for any donations that you'd like to bring in. And um, look forward to having everybody come together again. I'm going to take the kids down for a children's church and now start your 10-minute meet and greet. Get your bulletin and um, get your drinks if you want to bring them back in. So I wish I could tell you that um, I'm not normally late like this, but I norm I'm always late like this. But maybe we should start church later. Maybe I'll be on time. But that looks like it's never finished. Perfectionism is a good thing and a bad thing. Bad thing is you got you to gotta preach it at some point, right? So you just keep working on it to the end. But anyway, so... So I'm up here to uh, preach the Word of God. This is, um, I say this is the highlight of my week every week is to come and preach the Word to be able to speak the, God's truth to people. And so I uh, hope you are as excited as I am about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we've been in a series talking about uh, the grace of God. We're going to continue that series today. So let's turn together in our Bibles to the Apostle Peter's first letter, First Peter, and we're going to uh, be in chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. And when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is, The True Grace of God is Part 3, Living as Exile, Elect Exiles on Earth. So 1 Peter 1, 1 through 2, the Scriptures say, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. You may. Be now, part one of this series, we saw that the main reason Peter wrote his two letters was to prevent a problem in the church. False teachers had slipped in among the saints, and they were turning God's grace into a license for immorality. They taught man's false grace message. Man's false grace message implies or outright teaches that we can do whatever we want, and God's grace allows him to still accept us. And these false teachers, well, they use Paul's letters to teach this false grace message. And this problem has become a pandemic in the American church. From preachers to praise teams, from books to blogs, so-called Christians bring shame on the name of Jesus because they twist Paul's writings to fit their false grace message and teach people that God's grace allows them to live however they want and they'll still be accepted by God. So in part two of this series, we talked about what Paul truly taught about God's grace. Paul teaches us that God's grace is so much more than unmerited favor. God's grace is the divine energy of Almighty God at work in the lives of God's people. God's grace empowers us to live the holy, 
righteous lives that God created us to live in Christ Jesus. Paul also taught us that God's grace requires human synergy. See, the all-powerful grace of God will only be effective in our lives if we cooperate with God and work out in our lives what God's grace so powerfully works within us. God's grace teaches us to leave our lives as sinners and to live our lives as saints. And if you've not heard those two messages, I encourage you to go to the website and listen to those because, I mean, it's important, it's foundational. And we're going to talk a lot more about this. But in today's teaching, we're going to start the, a slow stroll through Peter's letters. We're going to saturate ourselves in the truth about the saving power of the true grace of God. Today, we're going to talk about how God's grace teaches us to live as elect exiles on the earth. That's what we'll talk about. Let's pray. Holy Father, we ask you to illuminate your word for us. Give us spiritual wisdom and understanding so we can come to a full knowledge of the truth and to give us your grace to obey the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first truth Peter teaches us about God's grace is God's grace energizes us to live as exiles on earth. In 1 Peter 1, 1, Peter tells us he writes this letter to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, we're going to talk more about what it means to be God's elect just a little bit later. But for now, let's talk about what Peter means when he says God's elect are exiles. An exile is someone who is a temporary resident in a place that's not their home. Peter says God's elect are temporary residents in this world. In other words, this world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. We live among a people and in a society to which we do not belong. And this is such an important part of living in God's grace that Peter says it two more times in this letter. In 1 Peter 1.17, Peter says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. And again, in 1 Peter 2.11, Peter says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Peter wanted the Lord's people to be constantly reminded that living in God's grace means we live out our time as temporary residents in this world, working out our salvation in the fear of God, and part of that is abstaining from sinful desires that wage war against our souls. The citizens of Christ's kingdom should be nothing like the sinful world around us. Our way of life, the way we speak, and the way we treat others should make us seem like foreigners to the rest of the world. And that's exactly what will happen when we walk in the true grace of God. Because God's grace energizes us to live as exiles on earth. The second truth Peter teaches us about God's grace is God's grace energizes us to live as God's elect on earth. At the beginning of 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, Peter says he writes to God's elect who are scattered throughout the world. And in Peter 1.2, sorry, 1 Peter 1.2, he explains what he means by the word elect. He says God's elect have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. And then he, talks, he ends it with the, the uh, final prayer there. 
So God's elect are the chosen people of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this idea of election or choosing is one of the most important truths taught in the Scriptures. The only those who are a part of God's elect, only those who are part of God's chosen people will be saved. So what does this mean then? Does it mean that God makes an arbitrary choice? Arbitrary choice? He's got the Lord Jesus next to him holding a, uh, like a hat filled with people's names and he's picking them out, drawing names from a hat. Is he choosing who will be saved and who will be lost just by some random thing that he's doing? Well, not at all. Everything the scriptures say about God choosing people or electing people, all of that points to what happens when we become a part of God's family. And we become a part of God's family by being united to Christ through baptism and becoming a part of the body of Christ in his church. Listen to what Paul says about this in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. When you read Paul's letters, make sure you circle or underline or do something with the words in Christ or in him, because that's what the gospel is all about. That's what choosing is all about. See, like Peter, Paul teaches that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ blessed us in Christ, chose us in Christ, and predestined us through Christ to be adopted into God's family and then bear the family image. So before the creation of the world, God the Father chose to make us holy and blameless in his sight by recreating a new humanity in Christ and through Christ. So election is not an arbitrary choosing. Everyone can become a part of God's chosen or elect people by being united with Jesus Christ in the church. And in 1 Peter 1, 2, Peter explains how this works. Peter says, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Now, foreknowledge can be a confusing concept. People often connect foreknowledge with causation. They think because God knows something will happen, then that must mean that he causes that thing to happen. But that's not what foreknowledge is. Just because God knows everything that will happen does not mean he causes everything that happens. For example, before the foundation of the world, God foreknew who would come to church today and who would stay home. But does that mean that God calls some to come and caused others to stay home? Well, hopefully nobody's at home blaming God, like, God, you'd have made me stay home today. I wanted to go, but you made me stay home. See, all of us made a free will choice to come here today, right? And others made a free will choice to stay home. So God's foreknowledge only means that he already knew what choice we would make. And this works the same way when we talk about people becoming a part of God's elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. See, God foreknew who would, who would and who would not become a part of his elect 
by becoming a part of Christ's body and the church. And God has always known the fate of every single person in this room. He's always known which of us will live in obedience to Jesus by His grace and then end up in Christ's kingdom. And God has also always known which of us will ultimately reject the Lord Jesus and end up being thrown into the lake of fire. But that does not mean that God makes some choose Him and makes others reject Him. That is the false God of Calvinism. See, the false God of Calvinism is it permeates so much of what passes for Christian teaching and preaching in our society. Nearly every preacher you hear on the radio is a Calvinist. Every preacher you see on TV is a Calvinist. And the false God of, Calvinist, of, of Calvinism teaches that God picks and chooses. Nobody has a choice in the thing. And that's the false God of Calvinism. See, the true God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He gives each of us a choice. The true God gives us grace not to make us choose Him, but to compel us to become one of His elect. And He also gives us the grace to remain faithful to Him. But we all must choose to respond to God's grace. As I said in part two of this series, God's divine energy requires human synergy. And Peter makes this very clear in 2 Peter 1.10. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to conform your calling, confirm your calling and election. See, Peter tells people whom he's already called the elect of God, people he calls brothers and sisters. Peter tells them to make every effort to confirm their calling and election. Now, if we must make every effort to confirm our calling and election, then God cannot be making any of us choose to be chosen. See, we've got to cooperate with God. We've got to confirm our calling and election to ultimately be saved by grace through faith. God's elect are those whom God the Father foreknew would choose to respond to God's grace and become a part of God's elect. And Peter goes on in 1 Peter 1, 2 to tell us the crucial role that the Holy Spirit plays in converting us and keeping us as God's elect. Peter says, we've been chosen by the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now here, Peter's talking about the miracle of, that God works in us when we're born again and become one of God's elect in Christian baptism. So God the Father chose his elect people to be holy as he is holy. And to accomplish that, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us or sets us apart when we're born again through water and the Spirit. The Holy Spirit sets us apart from or takes us out of the kingdom of darkness and sets us apart for or brings us into the kingdom of light as we're united to Christ's body in the church. But the Holy Spirit does not only make us holy through our baptism, the Holy Spirit is also at work in us on a moment-by-moment -moment basis to energize us to do what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 14-16. Peter says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Rather, just as the one who called you was holy, so also be holy in everything you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. The Holy Spirit energizes us to be God's obedient children. 
And he conforms us to the image of God's son instead of the sinful desire or the, the image of the, the, the sinful world that we lived in when we were ignorant of God. So the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is this. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. He cuts away the sinful person we once were as part of the old humanity. The Holy Spirit unites us with Christ. And he gives us the new nature of the divine human family that Christ created in himself. So through the Holy Spirit, we share in the divine nature so that we can become like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is what Peter has in mind in 2 Peter 1.4 when he says, God has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And in 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2, Peter says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. It's through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that we're energized to be done with sin. We no longer live our lives for evil human desires. Instead, we now live, we we strive to live like God would want us to live through God's grace. We do that for the rest of our lives, try to live the rest of our earthly lives for the will of God for us in Christ. And what is the will of God for us in Christ? What is God's purpose for us? What is God's purpose for all of humanity? What's that we be restored to the image and likeness of God that was lost when Adam and Eve sinned? We're to be restored to the image and likeness of God as we're conformed to the image and likeness of God's Son. See, that's our purpose as God's elect sons and daughters. As Paul says in Romans 8, 28 to 29. He says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You know how I pray we would come to understand this precious and powerful truth. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit He drives us, compels us, energizes us both to will and act to carry out God's purpose for us and to do the works that God created us to do in Christ until we're all completely conformed to the divine image of Christ. And this is what Peter means in 1 Peter 1-2 when he says, we've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. God's elect have been chosen by God the Father to obey His Son, Jesus Christ, through the divine power, the divine grace given to us by the Holy Spirit, and by our obedience, we will become truly righteous and truly holy, just like God's Son. Too many people want God to see them with Jesus standing in front of them and pretend like they're something that they're not. That's not what God wants for us. God wants us to look exactly like Jesus. And when I stand next to Jesus, the Father says, hey, you guys are just alike. That's the whole point of salvation. 
He wants us to be saved and become like Jesus. He recreated us to become like Jesus. That's what the whole thing is about. And to become like Jesus, we have to live like Jesus. See, too many people want forgiveness, but they don't want freedom. Jesus came to give us freedom from sin and give us the freedom to obey God's commands. That's what Jesus came for. And that is the true grace of God that most people in America have never heard See, through Jesus Christ, God the Father chooses us to be his people, and he sanctifies us by the Holy Spirit. And he sprinkles us with the blood of his covenant, the shed blood of God's Son, through which our sins are not just forgiven or covered over, but in Christ, listen to this, our sins are taken away, taken away. Christ's blood is applied to us, and it cleanses our conscience for the first time when we're baptized in water. And Christ's blood is continually applied to us as we eat and drink the body and the blood of the Lord in communion. And it's because we're constantly sprinkled with the blood of Christ that we can have what Peter prays for in the last part of 1 Peter 1-2. Peter prays grace and peace be yours in abundance. The word abundance here means an ever-increasing measure. And here Peter teaches us an important truth. There will never be a time when we do not need God's grace. There will never be a person on earth who does not need God's grace. It's by God's grace that we become and remain God's elect and have peace with God. And that's not unmerited favor. This is the power of God makes us what God wants us to be so that we can be accepted in Christ. We need God's grace to live above sin. We need God's grace to walk in holiness. We need God's grace to obey Jesus. We need God's grace to say and to do the things that Jesus would do. So we need an ever-increasing supply of God's powerful grace to energize us to live as God's elect exiles on earth. And as we close, let me suggest that we make Peter's prayer our own prayer. Let's keep asking God, Lord, keep energizing us with your grace and abundance. Lord, keep energizing us with your grace to live as your elect exiles on earth. It's only as we live in the true grace of God that we will have peace with God and peace with one another. And that's what Peter says about living as elect exiles on earth. Well, let's all stand for so one of the biggest problems I have with, with uh, preaching these sermons is I don't know where to stop and where to start and all these things. So how much is too much information? How much is, is not enough? But I've been learning over the last, uh, the last year, especially, that I have to uh, learn to slow down. We got, we got a, a lot of time to learn these things, right? So hopefully, I mean, some of the things I've introduced today may be different, a little bit different, maybe new to what you've, you've heard before. But I want to challenge you to go search the scriptures for what I just said today and, and see if what I said is not true. It's true. It's all about, grace is all about us becoming like God through Jesus Christ. That's what grace is. And if we don't understand that, then we're not going to live the life God wants us to live. So if you're here today and you don't understand, you didn't understand God's grace before you came in here, you may have thought, hey, uh, because of God's grace, I'm covered. I can just go out of here and live however I want. You understand that that's not true grace. True grace changes us, makes us holy, makes us like God. And if you don't have a relationship with God that makes you holy and is making you like him, then I would say you don't have a real relationship with God. And I don't say that to condemn anybody. I say that because 
Unless we know the truth and unless we live out the truth, we can't know God. We can't be saved. So I want people to be saved. And I see people all around me who are not saved, but think that they are saved. So in order for us to be saved, we got to know the truth. We got to know the true God and we got to obey the true God. So if you don't know, if you, if you don't know this God that I've been talking about or you don't know this grace I've been talking about, I'm going to pray and then they're going to sing a song. And as they do that, I want you to come forward. You can talk to me about it, talk to somebody else about it. Uh, as they sing a song as well, I want you to if you have something in your body where you're sick, the scriptures tell us uh, if we are sick, then we should call the elders of the church to pray over us and anoint us with oil in the name of the Lord. Scripture also says that, that uh, when we do that, that we'll be made well, that, that we'll be healed. Uh, in the same context, right after he says that, James says, uh, so therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So if you're sick in your spirit or in your body today, I want to invite you to come forward as they sing this song. We'll uh, confess your sins and we'll get, we'll get that taken care of. You don't confess your sins again. It's not to condemn you. It's to get these things out of our lives that cause harm to us. So if you've got sin in your life and you want to confess that, you will come forward as you sing this song and then we'll, um, we'll get that straightened out. So I'm going to pray and then they're going to, I'll speak the Lord's blessing and then they're going to sing a song. Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning. I pray that the things that we've, we've uh, learned today would sink deep into our hearts, Lord, but not only be in our hearts, but also be in our lives. Lord, help us not only to be hearers of your word, but much more importantly, be doers of your word through your grace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll speak the Lord's blessing over you all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.